welcome to the Sacred City Life Podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean. And this podcast is all about helping you follow Jesus and the everyday rhythms of life. And one of the most important aspects of following Jesus is understanding who God is, what he's done, and to do that, we have to understand scripture. And so this segment of the podcast we call Theology for Everyone, and it's all um, about helping us coming to understand God and what he's done in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And to help us towards that end, we are working slowly through the Westminster Confession of Faith and going chapter by chapter and article by article. And today, uh, once again, I've got uh, my pastoral residence with me. I've got Kevin Noor. Hey, guys. Bryson Amex. What's up? And Alex Tate. How's it going? Yeah. And we have found ourselves in chapter seven. We are making ways. In my little uh, Westminster, there's 136 pages in my little pocket pocket one, and we're on page 40. We got a good 100 <laughs> podcasts left, huh? Yeah, we got a lot. <laughs> so we got a, I mean, we got a lot. We're, we're a, a third of the way through. And so this will be probably at least another year or or, mo, or more. But we're making our way slowly but surely. And now we come, uh, and again, this is one of the reasons it's good to use a systematic theology like the Westminster Confession of Faith, because I don't know if any of us would ever study this topic if it wasn't kind of forced upon us mm. by people that are smarter than us, okay? And they've studied scripture Um more carefully than we have. If you notice the way the we- the Westminster uh, is laid out, chapter six was on the fall of man and the doctrine of sin. Chapter eight is on Christ, the mediator. Okay. Mm. But chapter seven in the middle is on God's covenant mm. with man. Mm. Yeah. Okay. The reason they did that was because for a person to really understand the remedy to the problem of sin, it, you really can't just jump to Jesus. You've right. got to understand something about God's covenant with man. And Reformed theology is often called covenantal theology mm. because of the recognition that if God didn't make covenants, we wouldn't be saved, yeah. okay? And so to understand Christianity, understand what Jesus did, we have to understand what a covenant is and what does it mean that God is a covenantal God and God makes covenants. So what do you think, uh, since you're saying that they got to know before they get to Jesus, where do you think someone should start reading in the Bible if they're a new Christian? Well, that's those are two different questions. So... If somebody's a new Christian, they should start in the Gospel of John, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, whatever. Start there and, you know, at least read one of those, at least read one of the Gospels and then start trying to read the New Testament. But okay. that's where they should start. But, again, I hope that they're in a good church where they're going to be taught um, things like I'm, we're about to teach now. So I spent a lot of time talking about the covenant when I worked through the book of Genesis. We went verse by verse through the entire book of Genesis. And you see covenant come up a lot in the book of Genesis that God makes, um, well, we're going to see, God makes a covenant with Adam. God makes a covenant with Noah. God makes a covenant with Abraham. God makes a covenant with Moses. God promises throughout the Old Testament 
to make a new covenant. The night that Jesus was betrayed when he does the Lord's Supper, right? Mm. He says, this is the cup of the new covenant. Mm. And so, again, Jesus is saying there, you can't understand what I'm about to do unless you understand what a, what a covenant is, right? Yeah. And then you, in order to do that, you need to go back and study all the covenants and understand what the covenants, covenants are. So, so it's really important for us to understand uh, the nature of covenants. And I'll say this. The reason we baptize babies at Sacred City is because we understand covenants, okay? And every covenant has a sign and a seal to that covenant. So you're saying like baptizing a, a newborn or? Baptizing newborns, yeah. No, we don't baptize them by immersion. Mm-hmm. We sprinkle them. But we believe that is a sign and a seal of the new covenant, yeah. okay? The old covenant had a sign and seal, circumcision. The new covenant has a sign and seal, baptism, yeah. okay? And that's why we baptize babies. Now, we're going to get to that. I think, you know, we're going to get to talking about more about that uh, later on. But let's just get into this chapter 7, article 1 of God's covenant with man. Let me read. Actually, Bryson, why don't you, why don't you read it for us? Okay. <clears throat> the distance between God and the creature is so great that although reasonable creatures do owe obedience unto him as their creator, yet they can never have any fruition of him as their blessedness and reward. But by some voluntary condescension on God's part, which he hath been pleased to express by way of covenant. Okay. That, is that a confusing uh, paragraph yeah, dude, for you, I, was, I feel like <laughs> the commas are in the wrong places all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the commas are in the wrong places. Is there an ESV version? <laughs> dude, it's tough. Okay. So, let's read it again, Bryson. Go ahead. Okay. The distance between God and the creature is so great. Pause. That although re- no nope, stop. Okay. okay. I, meant, I meant stop when I when I said pause. Oh, they I were helping that. me with the commas. No no no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. English teacher here. Yeah. The distance between God and the creature is so great. We, we have to start there. Okay. The problem with our relationship with God isn't just that we're sinful and he's not. It's that he's the uncreated creator hmm. and we are creation. So the distance between us, the gap between our realities, our experiences, our abilities, what we are is so great that the what they're saying is the only way we could ever come to know him was as if he came down to our level. Mm-hmm. That's what condescension, condescension means. Okay? It doesn't mean to be condescending, like talking down mm-hmm. to somebody. Condescension means that God comes down to our level in order to have a relationship with us. Mm-hmm. Because we are not all-knowing. We are not all-seeing. We can't be in all places at all time, right? We, we're not like God. We're different. Okay? We're made of flesh and blood. Immediately, God's not. God, until Jesus, right? So, start over. Let's read it again so we get that understanding in our mind. Okay. The distance between God and the creature is so great that although reasonable creatures do owe obedience unto him as their creator. Pause. Okay. Because we are created, we owe 
obedience to our creator, okay? He made us to worship and enjoy him, to obey him, to love him. We owe it to him because we are created, okay? Now that's, most people don't believe that. Our society doesn't operate from that worldview, but this is the biblical worldview. Creatures owe their allegiance and worship to the creator. Every second of every day, we're using his oxygen. We are, you know, he gives us the food we eat. He gives us the rain. He gives us the world. He gives us everything we've got. And so literally we owe everything to him just because we're created and he's the creator. Okay. Keep going. Yet. Yet they could never have any fruition of him as their blessedness and reward. But by some voluntary condescension on God's part. Pause. Okay. So we're created. He's creator. The distance between us is so great we can never have any blessedness and reward that means we can never enjoy God mm. we can never enjoy God we can never have a relationship with God we can never find our all in all in God because we're created and finite and he's infinite what could the finite how could the finite have a relationship with the infinite mm. right we're creatures. Think of God's righteousness as like the sun. How could we stand in the presence of the sun? We would be consumed in our flesh, right? That's one mm-hmm. kind of example, right? But, keep going. Uh, by some, by go some voluntary condescension on God's part, which he hath been pleased to express by way of covenant. Okay. So, the only way the created can have a relationship with the creator is if the creator chooses to come down and condescend, right? And have a relationship with us, okay? They're saying God has done that and the way he's done that, he has been pleased to express by way of covenant. So God has chosen to relate to us, to condescend and come down and enable us to know him and enjoy him and come to know him. But the way that we must come to know him and enjoy him comes through this thing he calls covenant. Mm. Okay? When I say the word covenant, what do you guys think? Um, an oath. An oath? Okay. What else? An agreement. House. I'm going to say the same thing. Yeah. An agreement? Okay. Both of those things um, are true, but a covenant is even more than all of that. Think about the covenant of marriage. Um, Covenants are legal, binding contracts. They have, every covenant names the parties. So, uh, Justin Dean, Amanda Baum do hereby come together in in the holy covenant of matrimony in front of all of these witnesses I make my oaths. I promise to protect you. I promise to love you. I promise to be faithful. She makes the same till death do us part. The preacher says, you're doing this in the presence of the witnesses, in the presence of God. And, and they, they come and they say, you're married, right? That's, the, that's a covenant, right? God has chose to make a covenant with his people in very much the same way. He's chose to bind himself by a contract, contractual obligations. I promise to do this for you. 
if you do this or if you if you do this. And then with that contract, just like you go, you sign a cell phone contract, if you fail to follow through on your obligations, we will shut off your phone and then we will take you to collections and we will sue you or whatever we'll do. The, con- the covenant that God makes is the same. It's got blessings and it's got curses. Blessings for obedience to the covenant and curses for failing to obey the covenant. Right? God um, does all of these things. We got some scriptures that you want to yeah. share? Isaiah. Who has measured the spirit of the Lord? Or what man shows him his counsel? Whom did he consult? And who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are counted as a dust on the scale. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. Laban would not suffice for fuel, nor are its beasts enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing. Okay, <clears throat> that's a problem. Um, that who are we, right? We could never get to God because he's so much greater than we are, mm. right? Um, he knows it all. He's all powerful. And so we could never kind of find our way to him. He must come down mm. and and get and get on our level. Like, and, and think about that. When we're making con- covenant between husband and wife, you're making a covenant between equals, mm. right? Mm-hmm. But what God does is make a covenant between unequals, mm-hmm. a covenant between an almighty, holy, righteous, omnipotent God and, you know, the creator with the created mm-hmm. and with the, the creation. We got other scriptures? Yeah, this is Job 9, 32 and 33. For he is not a man as I am that I might answer him, that we should come to trial together. There is no arbiter between us who might lay his hand on both of us. Yeah. Yeah, he's talking about, you know, the covenant between them and there's no mediator. Like, uh, well, uh, God is God. And when God says something, God's right, I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, there's no arbiter between us. Mm -hmm. Until... Yeah. Until Jesus. <laughs> okay. And to that, uh, one more. First Samuel two twenty five. If someone sins against a man, God will mediate for him. But if someone sins against the Lord, who can intercede for him? But they would not listen to the voice of their father, for it was the will of the Lord to put them to death. Okay. So again, we see this. Um, we cannot come to know God on our own. God had to condescend to us, and when He did. He did it by way of covenant, okay? And we're going to get into that. There's, there's a lot, we've got a lot to talk about in this section because like I said, there was multiple covenants, okay? Where God kind of expanded um, upon each covenant that he made previously, okay? So is that, is that confusing why um, a lot of people would say Christ came, through, came to us through the Holy Spirit, right? So is that... Is that the same or? I, what do you mean? I don't know what you mean by so, that. So Christ, how do, what do you mean Christ came to us by the Holy Spirit? Well, I, I was saying that because you said like through covenant and a lot of people will say, 
Well, didn't Christ send the Holy Spirit inside of us? Okay. Yes. But that was an answer to a covenant. Mm. That was because God made a covenant. Let me just expand on this a little bit. Okay. Um, in the beginning, uh, how do I say this? I don't want to give away the second one. Let's just go to the second one Sorry. and then I'll build off the second one. Okay. Right. I'll build off the second one. Cause then I feel like what I, what I, I was trying to say something without giving away the second one, yeah, but I sure. can't, I can't do it. So for let's sure. just go to the second one. All right. Article two, the first covenant was made with man. Oh, I'm sorry. The first covenant made with man was a covenant of works wherein life was promised to Adam and in him to his posterity, so all of his children and children's children, upon condition of perfect and personal obedience. Okay. Let's just, let's just go ahead and read the scripture. Mm-hmm. Read Galatians 3.12, whoever's got that. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Okay. Do we have Genesis 2.17 by chance? Yeah, I have it. Let's read that. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Okay. This is what some what, what theologians call the um, covenant of works. God made an agreement with Adam and Eve, okay? He said, <clears throat> he came down, met with them, married them off, got them together, did the whole thing, and he said, listen, here's, here's all of Eden. You can eat of any tree. There's one, well, there's one stipulation here, right? The one stipulation is, do not eat from the tree of knowledge and good and evil. If you do, you will surely die, okay? Do you hear the contractual language there, the covenantal language? First off, he comes down, he condescends to the man and woman. He says, you can eat of, enjoy all of this blessing that I've created. Enjoy your wife, enjoy work, enjoy the creation, enjoy eating from any of these trees, so much freedom in that covenant, right? So much freedom. But if you eat of this tree, there will be consequences. You will surely die, okay? Listen, you, you go to your cell phone, you, you get unlimited data, you can download what you want, you can call what you want, you can text, you can use this phone however you want to use this phone. There's so much freedom in it. But if you don't pay your bill, there will be consequences, Okay? It's a covenant of works. Now, God is a perfect and holy God. And so he expects of his creatures perfect and holy obedience, right? That's what he expects from them. And if you want the blessing, that's what you have to do. That's the covenant that God made with Adam and Eve when he created them. He, since he's God, he has the right to make whatever covenant he wants to make. We don't get to set the rules. Oh, that was not fair. Why did he get... Because he's God and he can, right? And he did. That's what he chose to do, okay? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on to, to number three in a second here okay. because I think it's going to help us. God said 
so that's the covenant, mm-hmm. right? Now, Adam and, and then what did Adam and Eve do? Sin, of course. They sin. So what does that do with the covenant? Broken. It breaks the covenant, but now what happens? What part of the covenant is enacted now? They will surely die. They will surely die. The consequences, the negative aspect of the the you know the punishment for disobedience to the co- covenant is now enacted, right? Mm-hmm. The punishment clause, right? The failure to obey clause is now mm-hmm. in effect. Okay. Now we've got a problem because God could have easily just killed them right there in that moment. Done. Adam and Eve, that's all it. <laughs> they made it six days and then they died. But God chooses to do something else. God chooses instead of just annihilating them and starting over. He choose, chooses to fulfill his side of the covenant in ways that we would never even, that we could never have, they could never have understood them. Mm-hmm. Because there is more to God's nature than just righteous judge. That we are about to learn that God is a gracious God. Mm-hmm. And so when they break the covenant, they will die. And in fact, death is now infecting all of creation. But what's the first thing to die um, after God, after they break the covenant? Animals. Animals. We see God kill animals and clothe Adam and Eve with their skin. So in that moment where Adam and Eve broke covenant with God, an animal took their place and an animal died and God clothed them with the skin of an animal. He covered their sinfulness in a sense. And and yet there's still now there's all kind of consequences for sin like we talked about in last podcast. Their relationship with God is broken. They're now hiding in the bushes from God. They're afraid. They're naked and ashamed of each other. They're Eve is blaming Adam. Adam is blaming God. You know, it's because of this woman you gave me, God. You see all of this brokenness, this death enter into creation, right? And ultimately, Adam and Eve will both die. So God was still faithful to punish them the way that he said he was going to do it in his covenant. He just did it a lot longer, a lot we would think it should happen immediately. It actually took, you know, 900-something years, 900 years or something before it, before it actually happened, right? So, and then what we see is God, what is, do you, do you remember what God's, so I'll just, I don't have to make you guys say this, but um, have, you guys are familiar with a thing called the Proto-Evangelion? Break that down. Okay. It's the first gospel. Proto, first, Evangelion, gospel. After Adam and Eve sins, what does God say to the serpent? Crawl on your belly. You're going to crawl on your belly. Okay. So one, Adam and Eve didn't get deceived by a snake that looked like a snake more than likely. Mm -hmm. The the snake didn't look like a snake until this happened or was crawling around its belly. Okay. So he gets cursed to crawl on your belly. What else? Uh, uh, Head crushed. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Power bomb. <laughs> okay. So, so the, the actual terminology is what? Crushed by the heel of man's foot. Yes, and you'll bite his heel, yep. right? And so, so in that 
in, he's, he basically says there is now going to be enmity between the children of the promise, Adam and Eve's kids, and the snake. And the, the children of the promise, the children that are coming from the seed of Adam and the seed of Eve, there was going to be an enmity between that seed, that progeny, those children, that line, and the line of the enemy, the line of Satan. And he says, that your children will crush the, or the snake will bite the heel of your children and that your child will crush the head of the snake, right? And so what that is, is that's, that's, a, that's the gospel in seed form. That's the first time the gospel, a gracious gospel is ever mentioned. And it sounds really like, you know, weird, but what, what it actually is, it's pointing forward to the son of Adam, Jesus, in the future, way down the lines, who would receive a wounding from Satan, okay, in the in the his 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 temptation in the Garden of Gethsemane on the cross. It would look he would receive a wound that looked like he should die. He's bitten by a snake, he should die, and yet he will crush the head of the sat of the serpent. He will be resurrected to new life and will ultimately defeat death, hell, Satan, and the grave. Mm. Okay? That is a covenant, that is a covenantal promise that we see, all right, that came out of God's graciousness and response to the sin of Adam and Eve, okay? Now we see that, be, now nobody, most people didn't, they didn't know how that was going to be fulfilled, right? And so immediately they're looking for, okay, who's going to crush the snake and who, who is this guy? And we see this play out through, through Genesis, you know, it's, um, it's not Cain, you know, and you, you just, each guy that gets brought forward, it kind of gets knocked down, mm-hmm. right? And so, and then we're going to see progressive covenants or, or this covenant get explained in new ways or expanded upon with Noah, with Abraham, um, with Moses, uh, even David, and then on in, and then you're going to hear the prophets start saying, but there's going to be one coming that would bring a new covenant. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. All of God's relations with human beings work through this covenant. So we have to understand how covenants work to understand how to approach God, yeah. how to get forgiven, how to know him, how to walk with him, how to be in relationship with him. We can't just, you can't just swagger up to God, mm-hmm. Right because of the distance between creation and creator and because of now we're, we're also fallen and infected by sin. And so the only way we can relate to God is if he condescends, comes down and tells us how to do it. And the way he tells us how to do it is through covenant. Mm -hmm. Okay. So article three, Kevin, you want to read that one? Yep. Man by his fall, having made himself incapable of life by that covenant, the Lord was pleased to make a second, commonly called the covenant of grace, wherein he freely offereth unto sinners life and salvation by Jesus Christ, requiring of them faith in him that they may be saved, and promising to give unto all those that are ordained unto life his Holy Spirit to make them willing and able to believe. Okay. 
So ultimately, this is what we believe. There are two covenants. The covenant of works that Adam and Eve were under and the covenant of grace. What I what Jesus alluded or what God alluded to right then as soon as they fell and they said one's coming who's going to crush the head of the serpent, right? It's going to come through Adam's Adam and Eve's lineage. <clears throat> and and now God and God killed that God killed the animals. We see that grace working. The covenant of grace begins there. Now, that covenant like I said before, Noah, Abraham, all of those, those are all the those are all expansions upon the covenant of grace. Hmm. They're all all that is under the covenant of grace. Okay? Um and this is where reformed theology differs from people who typically aren't reformed. Hmm. Where they see a clear break between the Old Testament and the New Testament, they think the covenant of works was Abraham, Noah, um Moses, David, all of those were covenant of works. They're based on what, only on what we do. Reformed do not believe that. We believed after the covenant of works with Adam and Eve, every covenant since them has been a covenant of grace because God has acted first. God has came down. God has given us grace um, first in order to, so like with Abraham, God calls Abraham out of Ur, says, come follow me. Abraham didn't get God's attention. God got Abraham's attention, right? God made Abraham willing to obey. And so that was still a covenant of grace. Okay, so it says, man by his fall, having been made incapable of life by that covenant. So now that we're fallen, now that we're corrupted, we can't obey God like Adam and Eve did. We can't, we can't obey the covenant of works. We don't have the ability to obey God like Adam and Eve did because now we're corrupt, Okay. Weren't they corrupt as well? Not in t- not before at creation. When they were created, they were not corrupt. When they were created, they were created good. They did not have a sinful nature. They received their sinful nature after they sinned. That was part of the curse. Okay. <laughs> yeah, what? <laughs> what? You got you got things. Well, spin- I just feel like I mean because. <clears throat> If Adam and Eve sinned, uh-huh. there, there's sin has entered into the world. So then their kids, 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 kids would be sinful yes. as well. Yes. So the same for David, Moses. Did I say David? I said Adam and Eve, right? I think so. Yeah, I said oh, okay, Adam and okay, Eve. Okay. Adam and Eve are the only ones. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So Adam and Eve did not have a sinful nature yep. okay. until they sinned. Then they got the sinful nature. Then they passed that sinful nature down to all their children and David and everybody else. Okay. But so now man has fallen. They're unable to obey the covenant of works. They can't obey God perfectly. Now the Lord was pleased to make a second commonly called the covenant of grace. We got a scripture for that? Yeah. Isaiah 42, 6. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations. Boom. You see God's graciousness there in, in his covenant of grace. Okay. Wherein he freely offereth unto sinners life and salvation by Jesus Christ. Now, immediately you're going to go, well, the Old Testament people didn't know anything about Jesus Christ. That's not true. They looked forward 
to the one who was going to crush the head of the, the, the serpent. Mm. They looked forward to the prophet. They looked forward to the ultimate king. They looked forward to the, the Christ, the one who was going to save them. Okay, So they didn't see Jesus like we see Jesus now. They were listening to, through scripture and looking forward mm. for, that, for that person. So they were still putting their faith in the, the gracious covenant of Christ and they were still being saved by their faith. Hebrews tells us this, Abraham was saved by his faith along with his works, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Abraham, or Abraham was, everyone back then, Noah was saved by his faith because he trusted God and he built the boat, but it was faith and works together, right? But he was still saved by faith in the covenant promises of God, hmm. okay? So he freely offers unto sinners life and salvation by Jesus Christ, requiring of them faith in him that they may be saved. Scripture? Yeah, I got Romans 10, verses 6, and then verse 9, too. But the righteousness based on faith says, Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven? That is, to bring Christ down. And then verse 9, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Okay. We're saved by faith, <clears throat> faith in Christ. It is wrong to believe that the people in the Old Testament were saved by works, and now people in the New Testament are saved by faith. There is not discontinuity between the Old Testament and the New Testament like that. I know you might have been taught that before. That's not true. There is continuity between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Abraham was saved by faith. Okay, He displayed his faith, through his works, but he was saved by faith in the covenant, believing in the covenant, okay? Believing in the coming Messiah, right? Everyone who was saved in the Old Testament was saved by faith. No one was saved by works, okay? <clears throat> and promising to give unto all those that are ordained unto eternal life his Holy Spirit to make them willing and able to believe. Okay, again, we've talked about the doctrine of election and predestination. We got a scripture for that one? Yeah, Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Okay, so here we see Again, the graciousness of God's covenantal promise. He promises do, to do it for us. It's not something we make happen. It's something that he does. He puts the new heart in us. He makes us willing and able to believe and willing and able to obey. Do we have to obey? Yes. Would we obey if God did not make us willing to believe and willing to obey? No, we would not. Right? So... Is that where the Spirit comes in? We that's, the, that's where the Spirit okay. comes in. And that's part. That's a covenantal blessing. God promises in His covenant to give us the Holy Spirit to lead us to Him. Mm -hmm. All right? To put the new heart within us and a new spirit within us. He promises through the covenant to do that. That's a covenantal blessing. Okay? That He's going to do that. What are you, what are you thinking over there? I see you, you guys. Okay. Yeah, they're, they're turning. All right, so... You can't have faith without the Spirit, right? Right. 
But then... Saving faith. Yeah, saving faith. But at least the Spirit wasn't poured out like He is today until Pentecost. Right. So in, in what way did people like Abraham and David and those guys... Because they didn't have the spirit like we have the spirit today, right? Right. Well, they had the same spirit, but there was definitely um, something uh, more, uh, less universal about it, more particular, right? So God called one man, Abraham, boom, right, through his spirit. Mm-hmm. And, and you see the spirit working differently, a little bit in the Old Testament as well, where the Spirit would come upon people, mm-hmm. right? And then the Spirit would depart people. Yeah. Um, and so it's a, it's a uni- it's it's something it's something different. The Spirit still did it, but at at Pentecost it became kind of it became a uni- not I don't want to say universal as in everybody gets the Spirit. Yeah. But it's outside of just the it's outside of Israel now. It's mm-hmm. outside of just what we thought was the covenantal people of God. We thought he only did it within Jerusalem, within Israel, right? Yeah. Um, at the tabernacle or on the mountaintop or whatever, or with this prophet. But, and that's how he chose to do it. He started there and then he expanded until the day of Pentecost after Christ had purchased it and accomplished it and came in fullness and his glory and was resurrected. And then he sends the Holy Spirit. And now this, the Holy Spirit is meant to apply the work of salvation to all of the elect and the elect is around the globe. Mm-hmm. So there is something, it happened similarly, but there's something unique and special and different about it as on the day of, on the, on the day of Pentecost. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there's, I mean, I even think of like, Saul having the spirit leave him. Um, and that that doesn't happen today, right? Well, for the yeah, and I, I I would I don't know if that is um, necessary. It's not necessarily um, a salvific thing. Mm-hmm. It could be a more anointing for service type of thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And um, I mean, I, that would, that's a good question. And I, I would need to go in and study that and to reacquaint myself with, um, you know, what was going on with Saul. And I, and I think that's what it was. I, I don't know. If, so either A, Saul was never saved, but God, God anointed him for his service for a certain period of time and the spirit came upon him and the spirit left him, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or... Saul was saved, and yet still, through his own disobedience and all that other stuff, the Spirit came upon him, used him, and the Spirit left him, and then, you know, A or B, one of those one mm-hmm. of those things happened. Yeah. Right? Um, because you see the same thing with, with Samson, mm. you know, but ultimately I think Samson was saved, um, just foolish and sinful. Yeah. You know? But it, but he, you see him in, in, in at his death kind of receive the Spirit again and and go out <laughs> in a blaze of glory. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. So it's important to understand the concept of covenant. All right. We're going to spend a little bit more. We're going to spend more time. We've probably got at least one or two more podcasts on 
um, the nature of covenant and covenant theology. And we'll be talking more about that. Anybody got any questions before we go? Good to go? It's deep, it's a it's a deeper concept. And it's something that um, honestly I haven't read too much about lately. I've read quite a bit on it. Um, but as we've been spending a lot of times in the in the New Testament lately, I haven't been uh, I haven't refreshed my mind and my covenantal theology. So uh, I saw you were reading a book on uh, covenantal theology versus dispensational yeah. theology. Continuity, yeah. to, continuity to discontinuity. Are you liking it? Yeah, so far. It goes through um, three phases of dispensationalism and then three phases of covenantalism on that kind of continuum from total break between Old and New Testament to um, one continuous story throughout. Right. Cool. All right, if you guys have questions, email me. Uh, Justin Dean at sacredcitychurch.com. I would love to go deeper. If you want me to go deeper, expand on some things. Uh, if you think I'm wrong about something, email me. Let me know. Maybe I am. I'll look at it. I'll listen to it. I'll do some research. Again, we're sitting down here. All we have in front of us is our little Westminster Confession of Faith and our Bible. We aren't doing any uh, prep work for this. We're not really doing any. Uh, we're just trying to um, go off the cuff as much as possible and go as deep as you guys want us to go. So um, we love you. I'm praying for you. Hope to see you at our gathering soon. And uh, again, yeah, I'll see you next week. God bless. God bless.